Several Filipinos rescued in Sudan as nations scrambled to evacuate citizens in the conflict-torn country. We talk about that with Philippine Foreign Affairs Undersecretary Eduardo De Vega. The new Philippine police chief vows to continue the campaign in cleansing the police ranks. And the Philippines and China agreed to establish more lines of communication to resolve issues in the West Philippine Sea. Hi, I'm Carmina Consentino. Dateline Philippines begins right now. Thanks for joining us. For those of you watching us on YouTube and on Facebook, glad you could join us today. Topic the news at this hour. Several nations rushing to get their citizens in Sudan to safety as fighting spills into its second week. The Kingdom of Saudi Arabia says it rescued on Saturday over 150 individuals, including Filipinos. It was the first evacuation of civilians from Sudan since the clash started. Jordan has also carried out civilian evacuations, rescuing over 300 people. UK's Defense Minister Ben Wallace says British troops undertook rescue operations alongside the U.S., France and other unnamed allies. The British military conducted an evacuation operation of British diplomatic staff and the dependents from Khartoum. Uh, using elements of 16 Air Assault Brigade, the Royal uh, Air Force and the Royal Marines, uh, over 1,200 people uh, contributed to this operation. The safety and protection of uh, British nationals in Sudan remains a priority for us, a top priority for us, and we'll discharge that duty through our embassies based uh, in the area in close coordination with our international friends and partners. I would say to British nationals in the region, please register with us. Uh, we have circulated a link so we know uh, who is there, where they are. A long convoy of UN buses was also seen leaving Khartoum, heading to Port Sudan on the Red Sea. The clashes between the Sudanese army and paramilitary to make that paramilitary forces broke out some eight days which broke out some eight days ago have left more than 420 people dead and thousands wounded a Filipino living in battle-scarred Sudan appealing for immediate evacuation Noemi Sanchez says there are growing fears the fighting may intensify with the end of the ceasefire during the Muslim holiday of Adil Fatir Sanchez also accuses the Philippine consulate in Sudan of inaction silang pakialam sa nangyayari sa amin dito hanggang ngayon. Ng ibang mga foreign mga foreigners po, UK, US, lahat po ng mga iba-ibang lugar na mailikas na po dito sa Sudan. Kami-kami na lang po mga Pilipino na nandito sa Khartoum. Nila wala po kasing aksyon, wala pong message, wala pong tugon ang, ang konsulit po dito. The Philippine Migrant Workers Department meanwhile assures Filipinos their help is on the way. The DMW says they will send two teams to Sudan to aid evacuation efforts. It adds extraction may start within the next 24 hours. The agency, however, admits the evacuation is no easy task. Pinapas na yung mga bahay doon. Ang mahirap dito, may mga bata eh. Kaya talagang kailangan din na meron kaming kasama na may medical background. And joining us now for more on the evacuation of Filipinos in Sudan, we have with us Foreign Affairs Undersecretary Eduardo De Vega. Undersecretary, good afternoon to you and thank you for joining us today. Welcome to the program. 
Good afternoon. All right, so first off, mabuti naman po. Kayo rin po, kukumustahin naman yung evacuation efforts. But before we go into that, Undersecretary, meron pong aligasyon dito, also coming from a Filipino living in Sudan, saying there seems to be some inaction coming from the consulate. Before anything else, let's address that allegation first. And if you've done anything to address it on the ground, go ahead, Undersecretary. First of all, uh, may I clarify that, no? Mm -hmm. Our honorary consul in Sudan is busy getting the buses, uh, and there's a scrambling for the transportation, as you know, so that our uh, Filipino nationals could be evacuated. Secondly, he's been sending uh, cash advances to the Filipinos so that they could purchase their food supplies. I will say it straight out. The problem is that it's a very difficult situation, and if they don't get rescued right away, they say, hindi tumutulong ang pamahalan ng Pilipinas. But the situation is a war zone, and there are several hundred of them, or a few hundred of them. So they can all be uh, assisted right there at the moment na pag tumawag, boom, nandun na yung embassy or yung consulate. So uh, the lady in question, I'm sure she has served the embassy in uh, Cairo, already be in the list of our Filipinos there, and eventually uh, repatriation is on the way. It's just that we are having to compete with many other countries trying to evacuate their own nationals. Mm -hmm. So this is a common complaint we hear all the time whenever there is a crisis situation abroad. Hindi tumutulong ang pamahalan, hindi kami... Because ang gusto ng Pilipino, uh, of course, it's a very difficult situation. Kaya gusto nila right away nandun. But we're not the ones in control of the situation right now. Mm. Uh, now, uh, ang gusto ko malaman po kung si Ms. Naomi Sanchez, kung nakapag-email na siya o nakapag-communicate sa ating tanggapan, doon mismo sa Cairo, kasi sila yung, sila yung in charge ng Sudan, honorary consultant yung local doon, no? parang... Mm to represent our interests there, no? to be is a it, coordinator there. Yeah, no? Undersecretary... Uh, if if with, she hasn't, then she better do so. Yeah, Undersecretary, sorry to cut you there, because um, we don't know how difficult the situation is. We're not on the ground. But how, how easy will it be for them um, to uh, provide uh, the consulate their names. I understand that you came out with an advisory na kung hindi pa nakakarating sa kanilang tulong, uh, you've been sending out um, cash aid uh, to buy immediate uh, supplies. Um, is it easy for them to get in touch with the consulate? Or um, yes, go ahead. Yes, po. Through the embassy, yung embassy the embassy is in Cairo. Uh, may I be able to give the numbers? Because here it is. Here they are. Nakikita ba or, or the opposite? Go ahead. I think we've prepared the slides. Uh, we've prepared the slides for that. 1-2-2-7-4-3-6-4-7-2. And the uh, messenger is uh, PH in Egypt. And thank you. I sent you that advisory. Yeah. So if they contact that number, kasama na si Ms. Sanchez, for sure sasagutin siya ng ating embassy, no? Uh, and um, they'll tell her uh, what's, uh, what are the latest steps, no? Para ma-repatriate sila.
Oo. Tutulungan po namin kayo na ipakalat itong uh, mga importanteng detalye na ito. Um, because it is, uh, as you mentioned a while ago, it's very difficult, the situation there. Not just for those who need help, but for those who also want um, to help those who are in need of it. Um, so we will do our best as well to disseminate this information under Secretary. But I do have to ask you, wouldn't the consulate also have a master list of all those who are living in Sudan so that they can too be more proactive in reaching Filipino citizens under Secretary? The consulate, the honorary consul would normally have a master list, but it doesn't have to be, it might not be accurate because there is already a long-standing alert level uh, in um, uh, Sudan, meaning to say we are not supposed to be deploying Filipino workers mm. to Sudan. So that's why originally OWA and the embassy, the consulate, only had about 256 listed. And now there are as many as almost 700 uh, who have uh, contacted the embassy. Mm -hmm. so, so, hindi pala uh, 400 because that was even what was being reported earlier. It's now at 700. It goes up. Undersecretary, sorry, we kind of lost you there. it keeps going up. Uh, out of the 700, uh, about 156 have said they're ready to go right away, right now, because they have their passports, they have their papers, mm -hmm. kailangan lang yung transportation, no? Mm -hmm. Uh, about uh, counting 146, there would be around 300 who have indicated that they want to leave the area. Some are staying. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, we'll, we'll be working on that. And then, uh, as mentioned earlier, um, as soon as the next, uh, within the next 24 hours, and it's still uh, morning in, uh, early morning in um, uh, Sudan, mm -hmm. uh, we may have our first bus with about 50 repatriates leaving mm. for Egypt. And how how safe is, is that um, convoy going to be, Undersecretary? Air evacuation, that's not an option at this point. You're going to have to uh, ferry our, uh, the Filipino citizens to safety using these convoys. How tedious is the process first securing these buses and how um, safe will the travel be for them? We cannot guarantee absolutely uh, the safety of these buses. The buses have their own security, and our consulate will have somebody coming along, as interpreter and assistant and so forth. No? But the thing is, is it safer to remain in Khartoum? Mm -hmm. There have been already some, including Sudanese, who have been able to reach Egypt through this route. So uh, prayers are needed, of course. Uh, anything can happen. Um, but um, we'd like to think that um, uh, God is with us and um, uh, they will arrive uh, safely. Mm. And, and to be able to secure these buses for the convoy, how difficult is that, Under Secretary? Because I can just imagine, imagine that you're scrambling while the other countries are also scrambling to rescue their citizens. But that's Undersecretary? Sorry, Undersecretary? Yeah, yeah. can you repeat? Tayo, no? Opo, pakiulit lang po yung sagot po ninyo. Yeah, how oh. difficult is it to secure the, uh, the um, security? Well, that's part of the reason why the uh, amounts to um, uh, register or to, uh, to secure the past 
are skyrocketing kasama security nila no um eh, and uh, as for the competition well, that's where the connections of our local honorary consul uh, 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 come in because he's a big businessman there, no? Um, the local, the countries which have a local embassy, which have a resident embassy are in a better position, no? Mm -mm. But uh, uh, we'd like to think starting uh, later today, Monday, we're going to start having um, uh, the transportation uh, necessary to uh, ferry them all the way to the north where they will be uh, picked up by our embassy teams there, no? Uh, to be augmented by those from other agencies. Um, also, there is the other option that you mentioned of Port, the Port Sudan. Correct. That's completely another direction. Uh, but one reason why that's not yet uh, the main uh, idea is that when they get to Port Sudan, you can't fly them out. It's not an airport. You need to get a ship over there. Mm -hmm. And uh, therefore, we'll have to ask, and we are asking, um, uh, the, for the generosity of uh, countries sending their ships there to evacuate citizens to include Filipinos. Uh, it has been reported that among the first were Filipinos and those were those were three Filipinas working with Saudia Airlines. Correct. And they were brought to Jeddah by a military vessel of the Saudi Arabia no, to King Faisal uh, Naval Station in Jeddah where our consul uh, uh, was there to uh, welcome them. No? So mm -hmm. uh, we thank Saudi Arabia for that. And, and, uh, open to uh, to uh, put, uh, receiving or assisting more Filipinos if they are in Fort Sudan, but they are not sending ships all the time, no. Um, mm -hmm. So we have other allies, and we'll see. But uh, right now, the buses uh, that are available are the ones going the long way route. Long way route. Is it tedious? Yes. It might take uh, 24 hours, 15 hours, to 24 hours because mm -hmm. they don't travel fast. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll have to look for gas uh, station breaks along the way. It's, it's uh, 1,000 kilometers of desert. So, uh, but some have arrived. Some, uh, some Egyptians and Sudanese actually arrived in Sudan, in Egypt from Sudan that route. So, um, uh, I'm sure Mkababayan Aten mm -hmm. would be willing to do that just to escape the hostilities in. Mm -hmm. But the more, the more important thing as well here is whether they are rescued via the Philippine efforts or other countries' efforts, they have to make sure that uh, the consulate um, knows their whereabouts. Kailangan pa rin magsabi sila, hindi po ba? Kailangan po. Kaya nga, salamat na uh, tulungan nyo kami paabot yung kanilang contact. If you remember, if you notice, uh, when they say other countries have evacuated the nationals, they referring to uh, diplomats uh, who are evacuated in the U.S. and the U.K. They haven't yet been able to evacuate a lot of their citizens. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Um, and the British Embassy, the British Foreign Minister, as you, uh, as you heard, also said that uh, they want their citizens to register. So it's the same with the other uh, governments, including ours. No, So um, please contact uh, those numbers we provided. No, mm -mm. Uh, And uh, that's why, that, that, to make sure that you're on the list. At kung hindi man ho sila mismo ang uh, kumontak sa inyo, pwede ba yung mga kamag-anak halimbawa nila dito sa Pilipinas? Yeah. Can they do that? Okay. Yes, through those numbers as well. And also, uh, one other important uh, uh, thing that our embassy is doing, you need a visa if you're a Filipino to enter Egypt. But through the efforts of our, uh, of our embassy, working with the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Cairo, 
uh, they should be able to secure their visa entry at the border. Mm -mm. Now, it's easier for those Filipinos who already have their valid and existing passports. Some don't. Correct. Some don't have their passports because they're either expired or that's why partly we don't want Filipinos to be working in places mm -hmm. like this where, where the employer holds on to the um, passport. That's another issue. No? So that will take some more time because it will take some more time for Egypt to allow that right. for people to come without uh, valid existing documents. Maybe some other documents, uh, uh, you know, photocopy, and then the embassy team to help them at the uh, border. But, uh, you know, there are instances, for example, there's a Filipina lady who has not been in the Philippines for 18 years. Uh, she's married to Sudanese. Mm -hmm. Her children are Sudanese. Mm -hmm. And now she's been touched, uh, asking that we rescue her right away. Mm -hmm. It's, And she's not in Khartoum. She's about 30 minutes away from the Khartoum. Mm -hmm. uh, those are difficult situations. Okay. Uh, we haven't forgotten her, but uh, um, right now what we're trying to do is to gather those who are in some vicinity near the uh, near where they could uh, board the buses mm -mm. But, so, but, um, yeah under secretary yeah. i just have to you just have to be clear on this um even if they do not have their passports with them that shouldn't hinder them from seeking help from the philippine government right and registering um because yes, yes, baka, baka po kasi natatakot yung iba na wala silang pasaporte at baka alam niyo na po alam niyo naman ganyan ang mga patakaran basta hindi uh, wala yung nasa kanilang mga dokumento na kinakailangan baka po nauunahan sila ng takot kaya hindi sila humihingi ng tulong Under Secretary Is he still with us? Okay, uh, we Under Secretary are you still with us? Ayan po. Um, so, yung mga wala pong yes, pasaporte, go okay. ahead. May pasaporte man o wala. Basta Filipino citizen, please contact. Kasi kasama yun sa uh, kailangan ng registration efforts. At kung walang pasaporte, sabihin nyo sa embassy anong papeles meron kayo. Uh, and then, uh, uh, they'll, they'll see you. But, all right. Um, I'm sorry to cut you there, uh, Undersecretary uh, De Vega, because uh, your line is coming in choppy, but we do believe that um, it's very clear what you're saying us, whether or not these Filipinos affected by the conflict in Sudan do have their passports or don't have their passports. The important thing is for them um, to be brought to safety at the soonest possible time. Undersecretary De Vega, they're also sharing with us um, the important details about repatriation efforts. You can be sure that ANC will be flashing those all throughout the day. If you have a relative in Sudan whom you know is being affected by the conflict there, um, just go ahead and contact uh, the Philippine Embassy. Um, you have uh, the Philippine Embassy there in Cairo, their WhatsApp number through Facebook Messenger as well. You can contact them, just give them the location and the name of your relative there if they're not able to do so while they're there in Sudan. Um, the Philippine Embassy, um, uh, the Foreign Affairs Department, they are saying as well that it takes, it's going to take some time. As the Philippines is scrambling to get their citizens out there and back to safety, other nations are doing as well. But they're, they're, 
they, they have all these processes that they need to abide by in order to get the Filipinos and other nationalities, nationalities uh, to safety. Stay tuned to ANC for more on this developing story and uh, make sure that you get all the details um, needed. Um, for your relative or maybe even you yourself if you're watching in Sudan to to make sure that the UM, US embassy uh, I'm sorry the Philippine embassy there knows about where you are and what you need all right we're gonna move on to more news this noon police Major General Benjamin Acorda jr. is a new chief of the Philippine National Police he replaces General Rodolfo Azurin jr. who retired today before being appointed, Accorda headed the PMP's Directorate for Intelligence Division. The PMP also says he was one of the officials who pioneered the creation of the PMP anti-cybercrime group. Accorda will serve as the country's top cop for some eight months until his retirement on December 3. He vowed to be relentless in fighting criminality and to continue the campaign in cleansing the police ranks. Together, we will prove that the PNP serves with dignity and professionalism. As your humble servant, I will do my best and lead by example. My stand on anti-illegal drugs is clear. No police should be involved in pushing, using, or whatever means of illegal drug trade. You will be charged and removed from the service. This is my warning to each and every one of you. Our fight will be holistic in prevention and aggressive in operations. Under my leadership, rewards and punishment will be quick and decisive. It shall be fair and impartial, and due process shall be observed. President Marcos, who attended the change of command ceremony, thanked outgoing Police Chief General Rodolfo Azurin Jr. for his service. During your tenure, we have seen substantial accomplishments in the area of peace and order. The most significant ones are in the campaigns against terrorism, carnapping, loose firearms, child abuse, gambling, smuggling, and other legal, illegal operations. In the process, Numerous criminal activities were halted and shaken, and perpetrators were brought to justice. As the PNP embarks on its next chapter, these are some of the challenges that shall confront our new and 29th PNP Chief, Police General Benji Kasuga Acorda Jr. May your leadership and good example in the PNP guide it to its desired path towards rebuilding and strengthening, continuous improvement at capacity building. As you do so, enhance operational ties with other law enforcement agencies, both at the local and national levels. Former Philippine Police Chief Rodolfo Azurin Jr. for his part says his commitment to serving the Philippines does not end at retirement. In a speech during the PNP's change of command ceremony earlier this morning, Azurin also touted the agency's achievements under his rule. Under my leadership, since I assume as, PN, as Chief PNP, the total crime volume decreased by 9,038, and I believe that this decline directly or indirectly contributed to the economic growth of the country. 
the latest data from Trading Economics, we promptly responded to allegations of high-ranking officers' involvement in drugs by filing our courtesy resignations along with other colonels and generals following the call of SILG Attorney Benjamin Abalos Jr.'s appeal through my own initiative. Azurin's nine-month stint as chief of the country's police force has been marred by controversies, including an alleged cover-up of a 6.7 billion peso drug bust in Manila last October. It was also under his watch when several high-ranking officials were accused of links to the illegal drug trade. Azurin is part of the five-man panel tasked to weed out so-called narco-cops. In other news, the Philippines and China seeking to establish more lines of communication to resolve any issues in the West Philippine Sea. That statement coming from Philippine President Ferdinand Marcos Jr. following his meeting with Chinese State Councilor and Foreign Minister Qin Kang in Malacanang. Marcos hailed the three-day visit of the Chinese official as very useful. He said Filipino and Chinese officials were able to iron out several miscommunications between the two parties. Chin's visit comes days after Chinese ambassador to the Philippines Wang Xilian drew public ire over his perceived threat against overseas Filipino workers in Taiwan. Meanwhile, Manila and Beijing pledged to improve bilateral ties and trade relations during Chin Kang's meeting with Philippine Foreign Affairs Chief Enrique Manalo. The areas of cooperation agreed on by the two parties include agriculture, infrastructure, science and technology, tourism as well as academic and labor exchange. I hope that today's meeting will give us an opportunity to follow through on the plans and gains made for our, for our country's recent high-level interactions and make some headway in addressing common issues and challenges. China is ready to work with the Philippines to truly implement the consensus between the presidents of our two countries, keep to the direction of friendship between our two countries jointly uphold the larger picture of our bilateral relations. Philippine Trade Secretary Alfredo Pascual planning to visit China to attract more investors. This as the country readies its participation in the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, or RCEP, which is also joined by China. Pascual is optimistic there is interest among Chinese enterprises to expand operations in the Philippines, which he described as a strategic location for investments. I'm scheduling a visit to China. Oh. Um, Sometime probably early third quarter, if not uh, towards the end of the second quarter. We can talk about uh, their investments in uh, processing of uh, minerals, which we're also discussing with some American and European companies. Mm -hmm. We can talk about uh, manufacturing, uh, uh, especially I, I'd like to be able also to talk to uh, companies that are uh, diversifying their locations. Mm -hmm. And uh, we can try to catch some of them to locate in the Philippines. A retired Supreme Court Associate Justice meanwhile calls on the Philippine government to begin exploring oil at Reed Bank. Antonio Carpio warns should the Philippines lose resources at Reed Bank to China, this would push power rates in Luzon higher and it will not bode well for President Marcos. He also explains how Manila's enhanced defense cooperation agreement with Washington plays a role in a possible joint make that a possible oil exploration in the Reed Bank. 
our most pressing problem with China now is how to get the gas in Reed Bank because Malampaya is running out of gas. The formula is to send our survey ship to Reed yeah. Bank, a drilling ship accompanied by the Navy, and mm -hmm. have joint patrols with the U.S. in the same area. Mm -hmm. That's going to be the solution. How does Ed, Edka come here? Well, Edka is an implementation of mm -hmm. the Mutual Defense Treaty. The Supreme Court said that it implements the Mutual Defense Treaty because the U.S. would be repositioning their military equipment, weapons in warehouses in Philippine bases. And this will now be a message to China that we are ready to protect our uh, survey ships, our drilling platforms in Reed Bank uh, with the cooperation of the U.S. And uh, this is all about this Kulabalu uh, about Edgar is really about Reed Bank, how to get the gas in Reed Bank. Oscar Moreno Lopez, the patriarch of the Lopez clan, has passed away at the age of 93. Our very own Willard Chang gives us a look at the life and legacy of the man known for his credo of business excellence, social justice, and integrity. An era has ended with the passing of Oscar Moreno Lopez, captain of industry and patriarch of the Lopez family. Lopez was Chairman Emeritus, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of Lopez Holdings Corporation, formerly Benpress Holdings, and First Philippine Holdings Corporation, which he headed for almost 25 years before stepping down in 2010 to serve as its Chairman Emeritus. Passing the baton to son Federico Piki Lopez, current First Philippine Holdings Chairman and CEO. After the Lopez family recovered assets lost during the Marcos dictatorship, Lopez led First Philippine Holdings and was credited for steering the company from virtual bankruptcy to viability and leadership. As I think back to that day, even now, I feel that the natural reaction of a reasonable man would have been to decline the appointment on the grounds that to save First Holdings was an impossible task. But something moved me to do otherwise. I still remember it was Jake Almeda Lopez, who is still with us as a board member of this company, who reminded me that this was a company, a business, that my father had created, had fought for, and had died for. To honor him, I could do no less than give my utmost, win or lose, to try to save the company. Fondly called as OML, Lopez then oversaw the company's diversification from power distribution to power generation, manufacturing, and property development. He also ably steered the group of Lopez companies amid the 1997 Asian financial crisis. Born on April 19, 1930, Oscar was the second of five children of Eugenio Lopez and Pasita Moreno. He was the brother of the late Eugenio Henny Jr., Manuel Manolo, Presentacion Presi, and Roberto Robbi. Building on his father's legacy of philanthropy, Lopez carried out programs not only in business excellence and corporate governance, but in corporate social responsibility as well. Chairing the Lopez Group Foundation that coordinated all CSR projects of its operating companies such as Bantay Bata, Bantay Kalikasan, and the Knowledge Channel. Lopez also served as chairman and president of the Eugenio Lopez Foundation and chairman of the Knowledge Channel Foundation, 
a believer in the importance of building a visionary and lasting company. Mr. Lopez launched the Lopez Credo, which serve as the corporate manifesto of employees under the Lopez Group of Companies, upholding values that Lopez hoped all Lopez employees would live by, pioneering entrepreneurial spirit, business excellence, unity, nationalism, social justice, integrity, and concern for employee welfare and wellness. The primary reason for being of the group Lopez believed was to serve the Filipino people. He would sum it up as the Lopez way. Lopez also served as a director of ABS-CBN Corporation, which is part of the Lopez Group. It is the dream and aspirations of every professional manager, of every business leader, to live the business in better condition than when he or she first assumes responsibility for it. This is in accord with the law of stewardship. Modesty aside, I think that I have earned the right to make that claim. And within the pantheon of Lopez business leaders, I'm certain that my father and brother are smiling down on me for a job well done. Lopez was married for 65 years to Connie Rufino, who passed last year. They left behind eight children, Sedi, Carrie, Rina, Piki, Pia, Bea, Jay, and Angela, as well as several grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Piki wrote in the family's biography of Mr. Lopez of how he admired his father for the values he espoused and leaving them with the same passion for learning and nature and a tight-knit and loving family life. A known bibliophile, fitness buff, environmentalist, and mountaineer, Lopez conquered various summits like Mount Pulag and Mount Apo and held the record for being the oldest man to reach the summit of Mount Kinabalu at 81, typifying how he lived his life met challenges, and climbed to the top with patience, passion, and persistence. Willard Cheng, ABS-CBN News. And from all of us here in the newsroom, thank you, OML. We're going to take a break now. Up ahead, President Marcos meets with the widow of Slain Negros Oriental Governor Roel de Gamo and witnesses who testified in a Senate hearing about the culture of violence in the province. More on that when we come back. Stay with ANC. We're still with Dateline Philippines here on ANC. President Ferdinand Marcos Jr. meets with Pamplona Mayor Janice Degamo, the widow of Slain Negros Oriental Governor Roel Degamo. She was joined by other residents of the province who gave their testimonies during the Senate probe into the incidents of violence in Negros Oriental. We're now going to speak with Mayor Degamo herself for more on that meeting and also the preliminary uh, investigation that just uh, um, happened, uh, I believe, a few uh, minutes ago. Mayor Degamo, good afternoon to you and thank you for for joining us here on the program. Welcome to ANC. Mayor? Mayor de Gamoa? Mayor de Gamoa? Mayor? Okay, we're going to try and get her back on the line as soon as we can. Um, we're going to try and uh, get back uh, Mayor Janice de Gamo on the line. Uh, meanwhile, let's move on with the rest of the news this noon. The recent increase in COVID-19 cases not yet alarming. The Association of Private Hospitals in the Philippines says the country's hospitalization rate remains at a stable level. The group is also optimistic the health department will not tighten border restrictions, even as some areas have yet to reach the target vaccination rate. 
I don't think so. Hopefully, we will retain this uh, status right now because uh, right now there, there's no really increase or cause for alarm. Well, for those players, I think uh, they should uh, have. Uh, uh, they should force the people to take you know, or to to use the face masks, you know, because uh, these are the minimum health protocols right now. Because uh, the immunity probably there is lower than uh, the most of the those that uh, have uh, were that were able to have vaccination rates of above seventy percent. And we have her back on the line, Pamplona Mayor Janice Tagamo. Mayor, good afternoon po. Uh, good afternoon po, Ma'am Carmina, mm -hmm. and to your listeners. All right, Mayor, katatapos lang po ng preliminary conference uh, investigation, tama ho ba? Yes po. Okay. okay. Uh, what can you share with us um, uh, that you found out during that preliminary investigation? Uh, again po, again, nawawala po kayo. Opo. Mayor, ano po yung nalaman ninyo? Meron po pa ba kayong natuklasan during the preliminary conference na hindi nyo pa po alam tungkol dito sa kaso? Uh, so far, parang yun na yun. Uh, except that this is the first time I saw them. Um, it is for resolution na, so uh, antayin na lang natin yung ano. Decision po doon. Mm -hmm. When you say this was the first time that you saw them, sino-sino po ang nakita nyo doon sa conference? Uh, yung apat na mga namaril sa husband ko. Mm -hmm. I did not look closely who specifically, uh, but uh, the first time that I saw the shooters of uh, my husband and the rest of those who died at our compound. Mm -hmm. At meron ho ba silang sinabi during that conference? Wala. Uh, Ayoko rin tubigin sa kanila. Ano po yung naramdaman nyo noong mga panahon na yung nakita nyo nasa loob kayo ng isang kwarto doon po sa pumatay sa inyong asawa po? That I could only hope that everyone there present what happened to us will not happen to them. Ano po ang uh, next step dito? Kasi marami rin po nagtataka you know, bakit wala pa rin mga kasong isinasampa kay Congressman uh, Arnie Teves. Gayong siya ang uh, ipinupunto na siya ang uh, tao sa likod po ng uh, pamamaslang po sa inyong uh, asawa, di umano po. Sali, magkakaroon po. Uh, yun nga lang po, naiintindihan ko the need for patience uh, but eventually we will will be there po. Meron po. Hindi, ma hindi po mangyat. Meron po talagang kas. Gano po katagal ang sinabi sa inyo? Judging from, way, from the way things were going during the conference this morning, malapit na po ba ito? Magtatagal pa po ba? Ano po ang sabi sa inyo? Um, ang, ang assurance lang nila, we're almost there. We're yes. almost there. Yun po ang sinabi sa inyo? Yes po. Bakit po hindi pa sigurado at bakit we're almost there po? Ano pa po ang hinihintay? Ako, I, I understand the dynamics of the the uh, people preparing the case. We do not want to waste a very strong case. And it's along that line that I understand the delay. Uh, kesa naman magbadali tayo at hindi rin tayo, hindi tayo makakuha ng justice, eh gusto ko na talagang we, we will not left any sto stone unturned, so to speak po. To see to it that the culprit will really be behind bars. Because what we're talking about is not just Arnie Tevez. 
grupo po sila. So, is it safe to assume, Mayor, and please only tell us what you're at liberty to, to, to share with the public, that when cases are filed, that this is not that the cases will be filed not only against um, the congressman but several others as well. Sinabi naman nila that the mastermind is uh, more than one po. So, hayaan na po natin na ibigay natin yung chance na nag-prepare po at nag-build up ng case na gawin yung work nila. Mm. We are patiently waiting po because as I have said, ang daming nahuli, ang daming ebidensya. Sayang naman pag minadali mo at nagka-leche-leche nagka pa, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Eh, sayang. So, Yun nga eh, pag may ano tayo, uh, if we patiently wait naman sa tingin ko, makukuha natin what we what we set our goals to na kunin eh. Mm -hmm. And of and course, of course, your quest for justice continues. Nung nakipagpulong po sa inyo si uh, President Bongbong Marcos, when the President himself met with you, um, what did that do? What impact does that have on your quest for justice? It was an assurance that we have a sane and a wise and an intelligent president who understands more than words and na yung presidente natin parang palagi talaga dapat manaig kung ano yung tama. Ano yung tama, ano yung totoo, ano yung dapat. So the way I see the president I am uh, I am uh, assured na talagang uh, he will be helping what is true, what is right, and what is just. But when you decided to meet with the president, Mayor, um, did you meet with him because you wanted him to intervene? What was the sole reason behind you meeting with the president? I am a professor, and I understand very well the different branches of government and its functions. Uh, I went there because I would like to extend my thanks to the president. It was a last-minute plea if we can be accommodated because I understand you have to get an uh, appointment way earlier. But uh, the, the way we, we asked for the appointment was okay lang pag meron, okay rin lang din pag wala. Mm -hmm. Even just a minute or two of his time so that all of us can personally extend our thanks. And lo and behold, we were given a schedule to meet him, and it was a very productive time. We get to really express our gratitude to the to the president, and natuwa kami at masaya kami umuwi, knowing the fact that we have, as I have said, a very wise, a very intelligent, and a president who will always stand for what is true what is right, what is just, and what is honorable. But but to those who don't exactly know what the president did for your case and your um, the ones that, uh, who were with you during that meeting, what has the president um, done um, that deserves the thanks coming from you and all those who were with you during that meeting, Mayor? The president is extending help to us by uh, uh, seeing to it that uh, the people working on our on our cases will really do their job. Yun bang di lang nandun at dahil uh, itinalaga sila sa pwesto at uh, yung, yung parang dinidemand talaga ng ating president na yung mga workers ng government will really 
uh, be true to their oath na gawin yung trabaho nila. Mm-hmm. That in itself po, when you have a whole of the nation approach, that is really worth saying thank you po to the President mm-hmm. to answer our problem with peace and order in Negros Oriental. And you can almost hear Congressman Tevez saying that this is exactly what he meant when he said that the justice system is biased against him. Your reaction to that, I'm sure that's what he's going to say, given that this meeting had to happen. The Justice Secretary was there as well. Um, How concerned are you that he will use this as a justification once again to to show the public how skewed uh, the justice system is against him, Mayor? No, as you have said, it was a justification on his part. But uh, uh, I believe the whole nation, if they understand very well what happened to us and if they were able to follow what happened to us in Negros Oriental, uh, a sane person and an honest person and a a person who who has an open mind will never feel that there is bias there. Uh, uh, Congressman Tevez is entitled to his own opinion if that's how he feels. And nasa kanya na yan. But uh, the way I see it, I am glad that the uh, the playing field, so to speak, is uh, leveled. Because uh, as I have said, we have government officials truthful to the oath that they had and the very supportive national government to really secure our province and to see to it that peace and order will prevail in Negros Oriental. And finally, Mayor, let's talk about the peace and order situation in Negros Oriental. Little by little, stories are coming out. But how is it now in Negros Oriental? Is there tension still there being felt? Is there still fear among the citizens there? What's What's the current situation? There are others who are now beginning to open. And in fact, a lot of them are asking, when is the third uh, Senate hearing? Because to them, it is important that their stories be told too. And uh, the more that uh, the, the government knows what is happening, uh, the better the better it is for for uh, our people. Of course, there are others still hesitant to come out, uh, waiting only for Congressman Tevez and uh, along with other masterminds not to be in jail. And uh, as well as other gunmen who are still on the loose to be in jail too. Mm. And uh, if that happens, then uh, we will have a freer uh, and a more peaceful Negros Oriental. I remember you saying at one point during the last hearing that you were appealing to media as well um, to make sure that democracy is alive in Negros Oriental. How's the local media, um, if I may ask, covering? Um, what is happening, not only in the Senate, but every story that came out since then? I would rather that you try to observe how it is in Negros Oriental. Uh, Very seldom can you find a media uh, discussing about what is happening to us here at the Senate to also discuss it there in the province. And they always justify it by saying, hindi doon kasi sila nakatira. Uh, but now, meron na rin talaga, nakikita na namin that they're now beginning to report that we had a meeting with the president. Uh, before po, kahit mga good news about us, about the governor, it never, it would never come out. Kasi nga, they are also afraid. Someone will always call them and berate them and, and threaten them. So, and that, that someone, ngayon, and that someone is... 
Oh, we all know who he is. He is Congressman Arnie Tevez. Hmm. All right, so um, there's a next hearing at the Senate? We are waiting, and uh, hopefully it will be very soon. Uh, I was assured by Senator Basu that, uh, and uh, uh, Comsec uh, Lawrence, I was told that uh, I, I should expect a call from them anytime soon. Mm. Mm. All right, we're going to have to leave it at that. We've run out of time. Mayor Janice de Gama there of Pamplona, also widow of the slain governor um, of Negros Oriental, Roel de Gama. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it uh, for you to be here on the show with us today. Maraming salamat po. Thank you. Salamat po. And from there, we're going to have to say goodbye. That'll do it for today. Thanks for joining us. I'm Carmina Constantino. If you want to revisit today's episode, you can play back this newscast on ANC's YouTube channel and on ANC 24-7 on Facebook. Keep safe. Keep it here on ANC.